feel like you've been on a trip today? Yeah. Hasn't this been fun already? Just for a moment, if you want to stand up and stretch your legs, go ahead and do that. I don't have a massively long sermon planned, but we've got some more good things ahead of us, so just stretch your legs for a moment, if you wish. Now, some of you might think I am not participating in the dress today. You're wrong. I bought this handmade tie in Thailand. So Sarah is, is, uh, has some cool pants that she's representing Thailand with today. After the service, we are planning to take a picture. If you've been on our webpage, you'll see a two-year-old picture. I am not from Thailand, but... Having visited there, I claim a part of that. It's in my heart, so. Yeah. But I haven't done a test, so you never know. That's possible. Possible. So we're going to do another picture today. And we're going to try it instead of outside, we're just going to try it right inside. So we'll have a ton of people, we'll move the flags, we'll have a ton of people on the stage, some on the floor, some of you that feel comfortable on the stairs, and we're going to give it a try, okay? So don't rush off. And by the way, we're going to have an awesome potluck today, amen? amen. Is it all right if, if we can just tell anybody who's prepared food that they don't have to rush off? We don't mind waiting an extra little bit so they can hang out in here and, and enjoy the fellowship together. Is that okay? Good, because we don't have a speaker in there, and whoever, I feel bad, people miss out on things, and they don't have to miss out because we don't mind waiting a little bit. So, we've celebrated diverse backgrounds and unity in diversity today, and we see in the Bible that he who does not love does not know God, for God is what? God is love. And we also remember verses like Acts chapter 10, verse 34, which tell us essentially this, in truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. In other words, God's not racist. God doesn't have favorites. God loves us all. Would you agree with those things? Okay. But then we read sometimes confusing verses. This is a verse you've probably never heard in church before. He who is emasculated by crushing or mutilation shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Hmm? That's kind of weird. Okay, what about verse 3? An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. None of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord forever. So that's kind of weird, right? Because we just saw God is love. God doesn't show partiality. And then sometimes we read verses like this and we feel like we're getting mixed messages. It creates a little bit of tension in our hearts. Now I'll just tell you a couple of things here. There are two important things to do when you get to passages that confuse you. Well, there are several things. One, we, we need to pray. We need to consult a lot of different resources. But one is to zoom in and study the passage more closely. And another thing we can do is zoom out and look at the big picture. Because the Bible is going to fit together. God is love, 
And that's the overarching theme, and we'll see that. Sometimes we may get a verse or two that we have to zoom out to understand it a little bit better. By the way here, scholars, as you zoom in, say assembly. Uh, many of them say that this re relates to public offices uh, within Israel. And there are a lot of different reasons that we can give for these verses. And I'm going to try and bring some resolution by looking at the big picture. But if you're interested in more of the small picture answers, we can look at those more later. But God is a God of love. And in the beginning, things were perfect. Garden of Eden, things were perfect. We were together with God. There was no alienation, no separation, no sin, no segregation, nothing in the beginning, we were perfectly united with God. And then sin entered, and what started to happen between Adam and Eve? They started blaming each other, separating themselves from God, even a distance in their marriage, their relationship started to happen. So God enacted a plan that he had already created before the foundation of the world, a plan to save us. And it goes into motion. And there in Genesis chapter 3, God promises that there's going to be the offspring of the woman, the Messiah who's going to come, and he's going to fix everything. So in the big picture of the Bible, the whole story is God trying to fix what got broken because of sin. But the reality of God fixing things is that Jesus could only come and die once. And it was going to be at a specific time, a specific place in history, at the right time, the Messiah was going to come, and he was going to die. So the whole uh, plan of fixing everything, of restoring alienated relationships, broken relationships, restoring God and man, it all depends upon the Messiah. And if the Messiah doesn't come, everything is lost. So now it becomes essential, absolutely vital, that the Messiah come and that he arrive on time and that he survive, his lineage, his, the, the, the path to him makes it, and that he comes and that the, the, the line of faith is preserved. Because if that doesn't happen, if the Messiah can't come, then everything is lost. And so when we look at it from that perspective, we see that sometimes God had to do extra things to guard the people that he had chosen. Not because they were any better, but because Abraham was willing to listen. Abraham was willing to follow. The Bible says, actually, Abraham was God's friend. God says to his friend Abraham, I'm going to do something special in your life. I need people to be a representation of me to the world right now. I need you to be a light to the world. I'm going to make you a great nation. And Abraham didn't know it, but through him would one day be born the Messiah that could fix everything. And so sometimes what we see as we read some of these strange passages, when you zoom out, you realize that God is working to preserve the line of the Messiah to preserve the holiness of his people. And actually, when we better understand these verses, people of different backgrounds were always welcome in God's community. Look at this. 
Isaiah 56, 3-4. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord, somebody who's not a part of those people, but they've joined themselves to the Lord, don't let them say, the, uh, the Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Lord, let the eunuch say, here I am, I'm a dry tree. Here, what good am I? I've been emasculated. God's saying, don't let them say these things. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, even to them I will give my house within my walls, a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. These people, there were some particular rules and we could study more of the fine details, but the big picture is they were always welcome. They were always welcome. Also to the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord and serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast to my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain. And I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be a call, house of prayer for how many nations? All the nations, even in the Old Testament, where sometimes people misunderstood or misapplied God's instructions, God was still calling everybody to be a part of his people. But along the way, he was wanting to make sure that the Messiah could come at the right time and the right place. Because if that fails, everything fails. God didn't love the people of Israel more than he loved the Gentiles. He loved them all the same, but he knew the only way to save the Gentiles and save the Israelites was through the birth and life and death and resurrection of the Messiah. The Lord God who gathers the, the what? The outcasts of Israel's. Yet I will gather to him others besides those who are gathered to him. God has always been the God of everybody, even if they feel like they're outcast. It's a tricky thing to communicate. And so many times people misheard, misunderstood, misinterpreted what God had to say. But the big picture, God has been working in all peoples at all times to make sure everyone is welcomed, that nobody is alienated. And then the Messiah came. And I want you to open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 because this is just so awesome. Ephesians chapter 2. The result of the Messiah coming is that he begins to fix things right away. He begins to repair this separation, these misunderstandings. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Paul is, has just talked about how it's through grace by faith that we are saved. It's a gift, not of ourselves, not of works, lest anyone can boast. And look at how he continues in verse 11. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles, that's a catch-all here for anybody who's not an Israelite, somebody who would sadly, have been considered an outcast because people were misapplying and misinterpreting. You know, we do the same thing. 
Sometimes we feel like because we have a certain understanding, we say, praise God, we understand the Sabbath. And it's a blessing. And then we think less of others who don't have that same understanding. We shouldn't be doing that. We shouldn't be doing that. We can thank God for the things that we understand and with humility recognize that God is working in all hearts and all lives. And there are wonderful people all around the world. You know, sometimes we can learn more from atheists about how to be loving than Christians, sadly. We've got to learn from everyone. Remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by what is called the uncircumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. A lot of of words there that indicate the Gentiles felt separated. That wasn't God's desire. That wasn't his intention, but they felt that way. And they were apart from Christ, out in the world, alienated, no hope. But then verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The blood of Jesus has a power to bring people back together again. Verse 14, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one. Those who are a part of the lineage and those who are outside of it, which probably is all of us. We are the Gentiles. We are the ones who are made one. It continues, it says, and he has broken down the middle wall of separation. At that time, at the temple, there was a wall and there was a sign saying, if you aren't of a certain bloodline, If you aren't a certain way, stay out beyond this point. The Apostle Paul says, Jesus knocked that wall over with his blood because everybody is accepted in God's eyes. Verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself new man from the two, thus making peace. Sometimes people think this is talking about God doing away with his law, his moral law, the Ten Commandments. Paul affirms the Ten Commandments in so many ways in other places. What we're dealing with here is these laws that caused separation or that people perceived to cause separation. Paul is saying, in Christ, in his flesh, he nailed those to the cross. We're now together. We are united these ordinances that caused separation are done away with. Making peace, verse 16, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity, the separation. Verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. No matter where we are, no matter what country of origin we come from, no matter what our culture is, 
no matter whether we're uh, this or that, Paul says the blood of Jesus gives us access, equal access to the Father. Verse 19, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners. There will be no foreigners in God's kingdom. We are all citizens. We are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. His audience, people who were considered foreigners, people who were considered the uncircumcised Gentiles, that audience, he's saying to them, you are a part of the temple of God. You are being built into the temple of God. This is powerful. What a message of inclusion. Anybody and everybody, Paul is saying the blood of Christ has brought us all together. And now you may have felt excluded. You have, may have seen signs that were trying to exclude you. But guess what? The new temple of God, the spiritual household of faith is being built by you. Amen. You're a part of it. You're part of the walls of this spiritual house. And Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. In the Old Testament, we had a priesthood, which by its nature, because only the Levites could become priests and only the men among the Levites and only the one high priest on that one day could go into the most holy place, by its nature there were people who were not able to participate in the most intimate details of those services. But I want to show you something here. Look at what the Apostle Peter says. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. He, he confirms and affirms what Paul is saying. You also, as living stones, are being built up a what? A spiritual house. Same idea. You're being built as the house of God. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And he rounds off this passage with these wonderful words. He says, but you are a chosen generation. A what? A royal priesthood. A holy nation. And he's not just talking to Israelites here. He's talking to everybody. Everybody. A holy nation. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. The good news about our Savior, His death, His life, His resurrection, there are so many aspects of the good news, but today on International Sabbath, we are reminded that Jesus and His death and His life it changed everything. And while there were misunderstandings and misinterpretations that caused people to think higher of themselves than others, others lesser than themselves, Jesus 
death tells us all of us are accepted. All of us are a part of the temple. All of us are called to be the priests of God, which means that we have a message to give to the world about a God of inclusivity, a God of acceptance, a God who doesn't want any alienation in his kingdom because everybody will be a citizen and nobody will be considered foreigner because all of us, no matter what we look like, no matter what we've done, all of us are cleansed in the blood of Jesus. I'm looking forward to that day when we get to go home. Amen? In the meantime, God has called us to be people of love and acceptance for everybody, proclaiming the good news about our God and our Savior. Someday soon, we're going to be there in the kingdom. We're going to get to stand there and, and stand before the throne side by side, and we'll get to hear the angels sing, and uh, who knows what's going to happen. Jesus will preach to us, and it's going to be amazing. We're going to have to wait a little bit longer. But as we close out for today, we have one final song before we close out with a prayer and have our picture up here. And it's the song, Side by Side We Stand. And you can't sit and sing, Side by Side We Stand, unless for medical reasons you need to sit. So let's stand together. And if the spirit moves, there's a moment in here where you can grab the hands and join hands together. heaven.
Amen. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we have been reminded today that you're just such a good God in a world that's filled with division and alienation. Lord, we want to be agents of unity and love and proclaiming the truth about Jesus and all that he's done for us. Give us opportunities today, this week, to put these words into motion, into practice. And we love you and thank you and look forward to seeing you face to face in your kingdom someday soon. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.